Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read verses 23 to 28 this morning as we continue our series through Hebrews chapter 11. And we've been speaking about faith lessons for 2023. And when you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you will see that the emphasis is on the word faith. And I think the writer to the book of Hebrews was very clever when he wrote it because he knows that that is our experience, that there are some extraordinary situations and circumstances within our lives that naturally we cannot walk through and we cannot overcome them, but through faith we are able to, with Jesus, navigate our way through these circumstances and overcome these obstacles. And so please note that as he writes, when he says, by faith, the Spirit of God intentionally put those words there. And it's for our attention and it's for our understanding. And so again, when we read Hebrews chapter 11, the Spirit of God, through the writer of the book of Hebrews, emphasizes those words by faith. Would you be kind enough to mention those two words with me on the count of three? The words by faith. I'm just going to count to three. And those of you at home who's joining with us, would you also do that? I know you've got your cup of coffee ready there or tea or water. I'm sure you've got your Bible but I'd like you even at home just to mention those two words with me on the count of three. One, two, three. By faith. Can we do it one more time? One, two, three. By faith. And just because we're studying the book of Hebrews, can we say it one more time? By faith. Why? Because in the Hebrew Bible, you know, when you look at the Old Testament, Three times when um, you would see that um, the people in the Bible, like for instance in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah said, holy, holy, holy. Three times it is for the sake of emphasis. And so we see here that um, the Hebrew writer emphasizes the word faith more than three times. And it's because you and I face so many circumstances that we need to navigate with Jesus through faith. And so let's read verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. 
By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Father, would you speak to us this morning through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The big lesson that we have learned from Hebrews chapter 11 is that people of faith think and act differently about life than others. The life of Moses, as we are going to look today, explains why people of faith choose this way of life. And um, as sometimes we refer it to, we choose the road, less travel. Now, I picked up, well, I looked up that phrase earlier this week and I went to the poem in which this phrase originally were mentioned and I realized that the poem was so... Um, <sighs> What is the right term? It was so ambiguous that I couldn't read the poem here today. And so the author uh, wrote it and he was trying to get his point across. And as I read it, I just couldn't understand his point in the, in the, in the poem that he had written. And the one commentator said, it is so ambiguous. He cannot understand why the phrase made headlines. But I love the phrase, the road less traveled. Because when we look at the book of Hebrews... All of these characters, all the way from Abel, we looked at Joseph's life, we looked at Sarah's life, we looked at Abraham's life, today we're looking at Moses' life, and we see that they chose the road less traveled, which basically meant, and I was hoping the poem would bring this out, and it didn't, that it is a road, yes, that is harder than the other roads, but it is the better road to choose. And the walk of faith is the better walk to choose. Because in the walk of faith, God invites us on a journey that is way too big for us. On the walk of faith, God says, follow me, and I will lead you. The other walks that we could choose is a road that we could walk. We could leave Christ out of it. But that walk will never accomplish that for which God had meant it to. And so we see here when we look at Moses, such an interesting character. Now, I don't know which character through the book of Hebrews you more closely relate to. I'm sure that some of you ladies would relate to Sarah. Some of you men, David's name was also mentioned. I know someone is going to speak on Samson soon. Maybe you could relate to Samson. Or maybe you could relate to Abel. 
where there's a dispute between two brothers. I don't know. But all of us relate to a certain character more closely. And for me, Moses is that character that I can relate to more closely. Moses is that guy that got a few things right, but he also got many things wrong. And so I think some of you would relate with me with Moses. Moses is also this guy that felt completely unprepared for the task that God was calling him to. It was way too big for him. Now, if you still doubt whether Moses had a large task that God called him to, as a matter of fact, God chose Moses to lead 600,000 people through the wilderness. And God said that he was gonna provide meat for them for 30 days. And Moses looks at God and he says, yeah, show me. <laughs> little bit of arrogance there, a lot of unbelief, but I think purely, purely human. And that's when God said to him in Numbers chapter 11, 23, God says, is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word will come through for you or not. Is the hand of the Lord shortened not to save? And I must say, oftentimes I find myself in that place where I look at the enormity of the task that God has called us to. And I say, God, yeah, 600,000 people. Of course, in our respect, it's very relative, isn't it? But we see why God has called Moses by faith to step into that position to lead his people. What an awesome task. And so I must be honest with you, I could really relate to some aspects of Moses' character and his life. I really, really like Moses. He's a, the kind of guy that um, was born to Hebrew parents, and then very soon after he was born, his life was being threatened, and some of us know the story, how his mother said to Moses' sister Miriam, take him and hide him next to the river, and um, so we see that Miriam did that. She hid Moses until Pharaoh's daughter came out, and God gave. Moses' sister, such wisdom, and she walked up to Moses's, uh, to, to Pharaoh's daughter and um, talked to her and told her about the little baby that she had found, and then very cleverly she says, but I know of a person who could raise Moses for you. You take him, but I have someone who could help you to raise him. And of course, Pharaoh's daughter said, who? And she pointed to another woman, which actually was Moses' mother. Isn't that so cool? What wisdom? How clever was that? It was the wisdom of God. Parents, I want to encourage you in the journey that you're walking with your children, that God can give you wisdom at the most difficult moments to make a decision 
that will secure their futures. I want you to take courage from this example of Moses' parents because the Bible says, as we've read this morning, when Moses' mom saw Moses, the scripture says here, they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Moses' mother and father's names were Amram and Josephette. We don't know their names well, do we? I had to go and look it up. Anybody else who knew their names straight away? If you did, I'll come and ask you to write it down for me. Didn't know their names. I couldn't remember it. But those were their names. And then, of course, Moses' older brother was Aaron, we know. And, of course, you know, his sister was Miriam. Incredible characters. Larger than life. Because God had an extraordinary journey for this little baby, this man, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, through the desert, and of course, we know that Joshua led them into the promised land. So it's not true to say that Moses led them into the promised land. That was Joshua. He handed the baton over, as it were. God prevented Moses from doing that for certain reasons. That's why I say I can relate so to the character of Moses. This extraordinary child was destined to do great things in the name of the Lord. And J.D. spoke on Friday morning to the ladies about the name of God and she spoke and she used Moses as an illustration. And, and, and we see that he fell in love with his God, the Lord. Um, of hosts and and Lord is always in the capital letter meaning the God who keeps his covenant and so at a very young age Moses was introduced to this God because he would carry through the commission of God upon his life for God's people most extraordinary person but for him to do that God needed to shape his faith for you and I to live out the purposes of God, every single one of us, we need to allow God to shape our faith. Sometimes the form of our faith is not quite the form that God wants it to be. And needs to shape it a little bit. And he did this with Moses and his life takes on a very, very long journey first 40 years, the next 40 years. Uh, first 40 years, it was like he was in the palace after he was raised up within the king's palace and uh, uh, he had a life of privilege. And as a matter of fact, Josephus tells us that um, Pharaoh didn't have children, natural children of his own. And David could have been the heir apparent to his throne. How incredible is that? 
And so when you read this passage of Scripture, it makes even more sense when you look at how God was shaping Moses' faith, that he would turn down some lofty opportunities, some uh, incredible positions to actually follow God's way, which is the way of faith. He, as the myth would have it, could have become the Pharaoh himself. And so that was the first 40 years of his life. He was trained for that. And of course, we know what happened. That he killed an Egyptian who was mistreating the Israelites and something just grew, uh, just, just stood up within him because um, God was shaping his faith. But my, my friends, we see here that Moses' faith was being shaped. And And I want you to see that his faith was shaped because of who God made him to be. And just one small little word that is so powerful for you and I to understand, that Moses' faith was shaped by who he was, his identity. You know, it says, again, when we look at... um, The scripture here in verse 23. Because Moses' parents saw that he was no ordinary child. and They were not afraid of the king's edict. He already at that age had an identity. He was no ordinary child. Well, when you look at Moses' life, we understand that he wrote the first Five books of the Bible. He was no ordinary child. He is often quoted in the New Testament scriptures. And paragraphs were devoted to him where it speaks about him in terms of someone, yes, who had a revelation of Christ. Even in the Old Testament, he was no ordinary person. Yes, he led 600,000 Israelites in the desert. He was no ordinary child. He received the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai, which we see in Exodus, and of course the book of Deuteronomy says that it's Horeb. And again we read, and Josephus tells us that these two names are interchanged, Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai. He was no ordinary child to receive that revelation from God, comes down the mountain and gives it to the people of God. He was no ordinary child, this man. Yes, he was no ordinary child because he had to lead the Israelites out of bondage, the bondage of Egypt, which is a picture of Christ leading us out of our sins and our previous way of life. When Moses was born, God had placed his spirit in him to become a deliverer leader. God looked after that boy. He used human beings like you and I to purposefully open up a way for him. God was at work, but he used people, flawed people, 
parents like you and I. What do you need wisdom for? For your children today? Do you need discernment in some areas? If you do, God will give it to you. Look at Moses' life. We know the story that all firstborn children, well, all little boys, sorry, had to be killed at that time because the Israelite nation was getting so big in Egypt and they were afraid of a revolt. So all of those first, and where else in the Bible tells us that the little boys had to be killed? Can anyone tell me? Where? Yeah. Same case with Jesus. So in many ways, Moses was a picture of what was to come with Jesus. And we see this all the way through his life. He was no ordinary child. His faith was shaped because of who he was and his identity. And dare I say, in Christ, because he had a revelation of Christ even in the Old Testament. My friends, your destiny is shaped in who you are. Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter three. He was a religious ruler, Nicodemus. He was an expert in the law. He kept the law. He was a good man. And he approached Jesus and Jesus looked at Nicodemus. He says, Nicodemus, for you to inherit the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be born again. Not naturally, but of the spirit and by water. There was a supernatural event that needed to happen in Nicodemus' life for his new identity to be shaped so that his faith can be one who is in God. My friends, yes, Moses was no ordinary child, but let me tell you something. If you've been born again by the Spirit of God, if you've become a Christian as Jesus told Nicodemus which way you should follow, to be born by the Spirit of God, my friends, you are no ordinary person. Because of the spirit of God that lives within you, you are extraordinary. You're a son and a daughter of the most high God privileged because you have direct access to God. When you look at Moses' life, your life runs runs parallel to this man's life. But I want to say to you today, you must be born again. (laughs) for you to step into the kingdom of God. Church membership doesn't do it. Your lifestyle doesn't do it. All of the money that you would give to the widows and the orphans do not do it, although all of those things are good. You must be born again, Jesus said. And when that happens, The journey of faith starts and it starts to shape your life. You think differently and you start to act differently.
You look at your children differently. You pray for your children differently. You steer your children differently. The advice you have for your children are very different. It's because of who we belong to. So Moses' faith was shaped by his identity. Christians, our faith is shaped by who we are. We are molded by our faith. The conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3 to 8 says, Jesus replied to Nicodemus when he came and he asked Jesus at night about this. Very truly I tell you, Jesus says to Nicodemus, no man, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Good question. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So is it with everyone born of the Spirit. People born of the Spirit, people of faith, think differently, we make decisions differently, and we act differently. This is a wonderful message of the book of Moses. That's why his picture was placed in faith's hall of fame, Moses realized he was no ordinary person. My friends, God speaks to you and I who have been born again as no ordinary people. That's why sometimes what he asks us to do is just too big for us. Why? Because we've been born of the Spirit. We are people of faith. And what God asks us to do is too big for you and I. I love a little bit later, it says that Moses persevered. When you look at the scripture here. It says, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. We persevere in the midst of the enormity of the task because we are men, women, and children of faith because we're spawned from the Spirit of God. Don't give up. Some of you are feeling that you, uh, you want to give up. Don't give up. Look at Moses. He didn't. Push through. Secondly, Moses' faith was shaped by his choices. 
verses 25 and 26 says, he chose to, mis- to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Someone said this once, faith has an eagle's eye and a lion's heart. Don't you love that? And we see that Moses, in the midst of making choices and decisions, had an eagle's eye and a lion's heart. And my friends, for some of the things that God is placing before you and I, we need to have an eagle's eye. And we need to have a lion's heart. My friends, I believe that what God has planned for us, individually, for your family, for us as a church, for this beautiful, beautiful place called Sook and the surrounding areas is massive. But we need to have an eagle's eye, but we need to have the heart of a lion. And that scares me sometimes. Like Moses, sometimes I act before I should, like he did with the Egyptian. When he saw the Egyptians mistreat the Israelites, he came and he struck the Egyptian dead because within him there was that impulse to be a deliverer leader. The time was not right yet for him to do it, but something had risen up within him because of his identity. Who he was. He was the protector of the Israelites, the Hebrew people. But even though he didn't understand it here, that was within his heart. He had the heart of a lion. Problems with what he was seeing at that time. He didn't quite have the eagle's eye yet. That comes with maturity and time. And of course, the next day, he went out and... um, He was saying some things to the Israelites and they responded to him and said, Moses, do you think you're our leader? Do you think we must follow you? They said, we're not going to follow you. And that's when Moses understood what he had done. Yes, he would be the deliverer leader, but it wasn't yet. And he ran away to Midian for 40 years. 40 years. His decision making at times wasn't great like yours and I. His choices at times wasn't great just like yours and I. But he ran away to Midian. He got married there. His father Jethro was an amazing man who discipled him as he As it were, he fathered him. And during that 40 years, he developed the eagle's eye. I don't think there was ever a problem with his lion's heart, but he developed that eagle's eye. But he had to persevere within the desert. He had to push through the difficulties. That's why I like him. My friends, I love people who get struck down, they get up and they try again. I can really identify with them because that's my life. I'll get struck down, but man, you know, one thing that my father taught me, he says, Peter, you be like a bulldog. He says, never let go of the bone. (laughs) 
And my dad characterised that at a young age. I remember in our home, in a place called Rustenburg, my dad bought two bulldogs, English bulldogs. That's why I love the English. Just wish they could play rugby. I do love the English, I really do. And then my dad bought these two English bulldogs and he named them J.R. and Sue Ellen. And those of you who are old enough like me, you'll remember the series Dallas. And those two bulldogs were J.R. and Sue Ellen and my dad had a soccer ball that he had in the house and J.R. and Sue Ellen from time to time, my dad would give them the ball and they would grab it and they had jaws. Man, those English bulldogs, when they bit onto something, they wouldn't let go. They would bite into that ball and the ball would pop and my dad would take the ball. Now, sorry to all of the animal lovers. Just give me some mercy here. But my dad would grab a hold of the ball and he would start to swing J.R. And, and J.R. wouldn't let go of that ball. Wouldn't let go of that ball. Jaws of an lion, I tell you, they had it there. And... And I remember my dad said to me, Piet, you must never, never fear man. That's what my dad taught me. What my mother taught me was to fear God. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we heard last week at the men's breakfast. Fear God, but never fear man. And I remember that picture. And so my dad said, you know, you must be like a bulldog. Don't ever let go of the ball, don't let ever go of that. And that's Moses. My friends fall in love with this character. He will teach us so much about life. You see, he had to make choices. Our faith is shaped by the choices we make. Um, a pastor whose church that I took over to lead, a man called Charles Gordon, wrote a book. He wrote, the choices you make will make you. I borrowed the title from someone else. And I tried to look up the title to give credit to the person, but I couldn't find. There was a whole string of people who claimed that they were the author of that phrase. So I can't give any credit to someone. But the choices you make will make you. And we do see that there is a level of truth in it. And so David Cook and Jeffrey Jeremiah says this and helps us to make better decisions and choices. And, he, and they say, too, when you want to make a decision or a choice, there are a couple of tests that it needs to go through. The first test is the inspiration test. Does this agree with the Bible? Why? Because we know that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Does it agree with the Bible? You make a decision. Go to the word of God. Find out what it says. On certain decisions, don't make them until you know what the word of God says in that area. Does this agree with the Bible, the inspirational test? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says that the word of God is good for teaching, 
That means for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Teaching us how to walk in the calling and the mission of God. Rebuking us when we're not walking there. Correcting us when, uh, us and showing us how to get back to walking there and training us to be obedient and to stay there once we're on course. The word of God is there for that. Secondly, the integrity test. You make a decision. Let it go through the gate of integrity. Is this consistent with what I believe? James chapter 4 verse 17 says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, it is something. the integrity test, the impact test. How will this decision affect others? Philippians chapter two verse four says, let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but also for the interests of others. And then the improvement test. Will this decision be beneficial? First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 23 says, Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is constructive. That's where we need discernment. That's where we need wisdom. And my friends, it is in this gray area where oftentimes people of faith think different from people who just think naturally. Moses had to make a number of those type of decisions. Someone asked me this past week what they can pray for me for. She said, Piet, what can I pray for you for? And I thought a little bit, and I just said to her, would you please pray for discernment for me? Pray for discernment for me. And Ken and I, before the service, we get together and we pray together and we talk together a little bit. And we said the same thing. The thing that we desire most is discernment because in the gray areas of life, it is discernment that we need. Because often the gray areas of life brings us that promotion that we need to take whoever we're leading into the next level that God has for them. So it's gray areas. I want to encourage you today, looking at the gray areas of life, Remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is constructive. Let's live there. And then next week, at the All Nations Lunch, we'll talk about point three. Moses' faith was shaped by his belief. Where did God fit and where does Christ fit into all of this? And we'll look at it next week. Yes, you can. Yes, you can come and sing, Jenny. Please do. I just would like to give some hope to parents here this morning. Um, when we lived back in South Africa, Piet and I had the privilege of overseeing an orphanage for 10 years. And the abandoned babies would come to us and then we would help 
the social welfare find parents for them because we didn't want them to grow up in an orphanage. We wanted them to have mothers and fathers. And so the first three babies that came to us, they got adopted by Christian families, and it was just wonderful. The fourth little boy who came to us, a Muslim family came, and they said they wanted to adopt him. And our team that we worked with was very concerned. I was very concerned, and we took it to God in prayer. And we said, God, you really need to show us wisdom on this situation. And while we were praying, God took us to this story of Moses. And God said to us, I placed him in Pharaoh's household because I had a plan for this boy's life. So trust me with this little boy. And we had to go against everything natural in our head. And we released this little boy to this Muslim family and they became his mom and his dad. And I just felt I wanted to tell that story to some of you today because some of your children are in situations that you might have not chosen for them. The school systems that your children are in today are teaching your kids unbelievably unbiblical things, but they're there in that system. And I want to remind you of Moses and say, trust God with your children. Moses' mother was continually speaking into his ear. She was continually praying for him, but she trusted God in Pharaoh's household. And whether it's the school system, whether it's the universities, whether it's your growing children, I just felt God say, trust me with your children, as Moses' mum had to trust God with him. God is way bigger than the systems of this world. 